0: I wasn't doing crazy volumes where like the, the million dollar real estate by Gary Keller, right. It has these formulas and all this, but for me, it was more uh, leveraging uh, other individuals and trying to get some time back. Right. So like I, I I make it a priority to try and take trips with my family and create more memories because shit, that's, that's what we got. Right. And so it, it feels good to see my kids, um, super happy, right that we're out and about they they love us, we love them and we just create this bond. And so for me, I'm like, you know what? I'd rather split the pie a little bit so that I can buy some of my time back and not have to be out there grinding day in, day out doing these crazy long hours. Um, it allows me to free up some. But I think uh, when people join, right it's, it's they they see, a form that they want to become, right? So that they see my success. And by joining my team, it's a a vision that they might have that they're like, man, I want to be like Miguel, right? And so I think um, I can leverage and help them grow their business, right? While they're simultaneously helping me obtain some of the goals and the team goals that we're trying to accomplish.
1: Welcome back to the Pursuit of Property podcast. Today we're sitting with a friend, Miguel Sanchez, head of the Sanchez team. Whoa, Sanchez (laughs) team at Real Broker, also an investor, realtor, dad. Miguel, welcome to the pod.
0: Oh, I appreciate it, thank you, Scott. Thank you, Cade, appreciate it, thank you for having me. Um, Yeah, so a little bit about myself. Um, I am a local investor. I am a team leader of the Sanchez real estate team here at Real. Um, And I'm also a business owner of a few recycling centers here locally. Um, But quick story about me. Um, I ended up getting into real estate back in 2019, right? That's when I got my real estate license. Uh, But prior to that, I was actually a paramedic uh, for almost... I was about eight years, almost nine years. Wow. Um, So that that was... uh, obviously totally different from what I'm doing now, right? I'm definitely more entrepreneur, uh, but I feel like that was um, something that helped me out in my business now, right? Just the people skills um, at a high level as far as functioning out in the pre-hospital setting, being able to communicate with all walks of life, really. I mean, from doctors to homeless people right so all all walks of life being able to communicate with everyone i feel like that's now helped my business uh today to be able to communicate with people that's um, dope
1: was yeah. that out of high school or out of college
0: uh actually right out of high school yeah so right out of high school graduated buchanan high right after let's that, go baby hell yeah close kids dude that's get out of here bro <laughs> so yeah no i right out of high school i ended up um going to Fresno City. And from there, I I went to Fresno City not knowing what the hell I was gonna do, right? I only went there to go play football. So, but while I was doing that, I just felt like that, all right, right? Like, what the hell am I doing? I just had that quick realization of like, dude, you're probably not gonna go to the league, right? However, I did have enough skill set to potentially continue playing um, at a higher level. But I'm like, you know what? I'm gonna focus on a career, figure this out. So I wanted to be a firefighter paramedic at that time. Yeah. So I went, knocked out the EMT course, um, became an EMT, got hired here locally at American Ambulance. Um, And then shortly after that, I got on the rescue team. So we did all the high angle, low angle, swift water, scuba diving, and SWAT. So we did that here locally, um, which was pretty cool again bunch of cool experiences yeah um hold up i want to dwell on this a second because that's like a badass job one of the
1: things you and i talked about when i heard you did that was that i've only ever been in real estate so i don't have any of these cool stories what was one of the craziest rescues you had to do or or recoveries. yeah
0: of course Um, i'll give you both so a Uh recovery and a and a rescue um one of a uh one of the crazy recoveries that we did was off of um, Milburn and like, um, so going out towards the river, Mm. so the 99 area kind of behind like, um, off of the San Joaquin River. Mm. So um, long story short, there is a local um, that lived in that area that had a a small plane they, uh, it was the uncle and the nephew, right? So they, they get on this plane together. It's a small plane. They take off. Families actually watching them fly over because the, the dude was gonna perform a stunt out in the air. Um, and so it's those properties back by the San Joaquin. Yeah. And so they're they're watching them. This plane takes off goes up, does a a stall, right? The little stall maneuver comes right back down. He wasn't high enough in the air to come back and pull the, the plane back and they literally just nosedive right into the San Joaquin River. So immediately, you know, obviously sudden death for both individuals. However, the coroner is the one that's supposed to retrieve the bodies but because it was in the water, we ended up having to set up systems and get into the water and retrieve the bodies of- In above, the San Joaquin River. the San Joaquin River. And because of the high impact, the shrapnel, the plane getting crushed, I mean, now the, the bodies are literally crushed. And so when we had to retrieve them, I mean, I know this is pretty gruesome, but since we're talking about it, we had to rip flesh And so we would have to count one, two, three, pull, right? And these people were just taking them out. Um, So yeah, without getting to too many details, that was pretty uh, gruesome as far as a a recovery came. And his Um, whole family had to watch. And his whole family ended up watching. So (sighs) crazy, crazy scenario. The other one was an actual rescue. So we went up um, all the way up to Yucca Point. Hmm. Um, going eastbound on the 180, if you just follow that thing, all the way past uh, Hume Lake. Mm. Keep going, probably another 45 to an hour. So we were way up there. Um, It was a father, daughter, experienced hikers. So they're out there. um, And the daughter ends up falling off of, uh, of a rock that she slipped on moss. So she ended up slipping, falling, came down probably it was about like a 30, 30 foot fall that she had she ended up breaking her leg broke her neck um, we got the call about eight thirty p.m took us about 2.5 hours to get up there and now it's 11 p.m when we actually start our rescue so we're going in almost middle of the night it's super dark right so now we're finding this little trail to get on And then after that, um, we had a Black Hawk uh, helicopter flying over us, shining a light to kind of give us a trail to to continue going. So that was kind of badass, right, to have that and experience just a Black Hawk just hovering over us. That's crazy. uh, We ended up crossing a river at about three in the morning um so we we stripped all the way down uh, to our boxers, just tied our boots over our neck. We're all in a line holding so that the river doesn't, you know wash us out. and shit we got got on the other side of the river, got all our shit back on, right, and we kept going. We ended up finally camping out around 5:30 in the morning and we probably slept for like 45 minutes, right? Sunrise mm-hmm. came up, we started a fire, got dry again and we took off. We didn't make actual contact till about 2:30 p.m. that following day. Holy crap. And that's when we called uh Eagle 1, which is our local uh sheriff's department helicopter. They ended up coming down um and dropping um the uh uh, the Stokes Basket, right, so that we can package the patient patient and she ended up getting flown out to uh, CRMC, which is a local level one trauma center, and she had those fractures, but luckily she she made it out alive why didn 't um, they just send you in on a helicopter to begin with that 's a good question um, yeah, it was just they were actually helping us trying to identify, but they didn't they didn 't drop us in. Um, does it not have the I, capabilities to do that? It does, but there was, we had a large group and typically the helicopters only hold, I want to say three people or so. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, and, and shit. We, so once we made the patient contact, got her packaged up, we actually thought we were going to get flown out ourselves we had a hump all the way back out. <laughs> so crazy, man. We were on that thing for over 24 hours. Holy shit. What, a, what an experience, right? Like, I mean. Wild. Um, it is, man, it is. So I'm glad that we were part of this team to actually get her out, because if not, it's like her dad had to get all the way back out to get her, and then it's just, it, it turns into a, a crazy mission, but I'm glad we were able to accomplish that.
1: That's badass.
2: Yeah. And how how do you go from all of that stuff? Obviously, eight years is not a small period of time to be working in that industry, doing rescues, doing recoveries. How do you even get introduced
0: into the real estate space from doing all that for so long? Yeah, for sure, man. I'm glad you asked because I actually, even if we take it back um, a little bit further, I bought my first house when I was 19 years old. So right out of high school, I was gonna move out, right? Graduated. All my buddies got apartments and dorm rooms and all this shit, right? And so everyone's got their freedom and messing around. And so I felt that that was the route for me. And I ended up telling my mom, I'm like, hey, I'm gonna I'm gonna get an apartment. At that time, rent was 625 bucks, um, and My mom, she just kind of gave me that, like, dude, you're tripping, right? Like, you're gonna leave this house, you got a roof over your head, you got food on the table, you're going to school, you're working, like, don't go waste your money. That's the dumbest thing you can do. She's like, the moment you leave this house, you're gonna buy your own house, right? So then my curious mind was just like, well, fuck, what does it take to buy a house, right? And so my mom's like, here's a loan officer, here's a realtor, start asking questions. So I did, man. And and at this time, um, I was a dishwasher um, at Children's Hospital. So I was, you know, for what it was, right, a little high school gig, I was actually making halfway decent money at that time. Um, And then shortly after, I had just got a job at American Ambulance, right, when I got my EMT license. And I started making just a little bit more money that actually allowed me to qualify for a house at that time. Um, so I ended up getting pre-approved for $100,000, and I go out and I buy a property, Shields and Maroa area, it's a little two bedroom, one bath on Fountain Way. My mortgage taxes insurance was like 560 something bucks. Less than rent would have been. Less than rent, and so I had saved up money, so sure enough, I go out in the market space, I buy my first property at 19 years old, and then little did I know, I was actually house hacking then because i ended up renting a room to one of my uh co-workers at the time that lived in fireball and so he had to drive back and forth back and forth uh to come work at american and i i rented a room for 250 bucks let's go and so then at that moment um that's when i like really got hooked on real estate and every year after that I would go back to my loan officer and say, hey, can I buy another house? And it's like, nah, you don't qualify, man. You don't make enough money. And I would go the following year, hey, can I buy another house? Like, no, you still don't qualify, right? Not knowing that there's other avenues, I just didn't know anyone that was doing real estate investing at that time, Yeah. or else I would've got started a lot sooner. Even though I did get started, I just didn't take on that. So it's just my mindset right at that time had no idea what I was doing besides knowing that there was a form of, of purchasing the way I did. And so finally, when I was able to buy my second property it was in 2015, um, is I was able to actually, I my income grew. So I was able to go out into the market space again and get another conventional loan and buy. And then I, I rented that, my first property. Um, and so then it just went on from there. And yeah, dude, that, that was my, introduction of real estate was way back in the day but not knowing that there is a lot of forms that i could go out and approach to acquire more property than just your traditional financing do you still have the house on fountain way um i don't i ended up selling it uh back in 2017 2016. so i held it for a little bit and it was a, a rental property for me mm-hmm. but that sell allowed me to um, push and grow my recycling center. Hmm. So I ended up starting my recycling center back in 2014 from scratch, um, but that that capital from the sale of the property ended up helping me buy more equipment, uh, streamline our process a little bit easier, um, and just made everything a little bit better for us. And so I don't regret selling it, but at the same time, if I did, you know hold on to that property i'd be sitting on on some serious equity for sure
2: yeah well dude <laughs> it's a conversation we have too like every hindsight's 2020 20, right like of course everything we come across if like obviously the ideal scenario would be just to freaking hold it and we can still live our lifestyle getting cash from somewhere else totally, right totally but, i mean dude who would have who knows how long it would have taken you to take that recycling business to the next level if you didn't sell that and now you're sitting across, you know, the table from us in the position you are, you know what I mean? So I feel like it's a double-edged sword, but you know what I mean? Totally,
0: totally. So no regrets on selling that property, right? Because I am where I'm at now probably because of it, Uh, but at the same time, yeah, it just, you go back and, you know, now that we flipped actually a couple properties you're like, shit, should I have kept that property, right? But you gotta keep the lights on, you gotta keep moving money, and and that's just the way it goes. Yeah, so
1: the transition out of American Ambulance, you immediately became an investor, or you became a realtor?
0: I became a realtor. So that's where, uh, back in 2018, my recycling center was doing really well, and so I just felt like I was working so much and not actually seeing my family right so as a paramedic i was working anywhere from 48 to 60 hour work weeks and so then we also had mandatory uh ce and rescue training so that would tack on some hours and then i was operating our recycling center so when i would get off from american i would then go to our recycling center pick up loads go sell come back home go to bed fucking wake up, do it all over again, man. So I was working dog hours, right? Just all the fucking time, man, it was a grind. But that's what it takes, right? The majority of people just don't have what it takes to sacrifice early on so that you can get to a point where shit's finally clicking, it's rolling, it's going, and people just want the easy way, and there is no easy way, right, into entrepreneurship. So I busted my ass, I got my recycling center, uh going and to a space where we were actually making some serious money. So I'm like, what the fuck am I doing still working here? I loved it, right? The aspect of actually saving lives and I have um certificates from the county for code saves and I mean it's 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 crazy. So that that side of it feels good, right? My peers, all my coworkers and shit, that's always fun uh to interact with them. But at the same time, I'm like, hey, this is not the profession I wanna be in for long long term, right? It's, right. it's physically demanding. Um, and so when I left, my intention was to continue growing uh, my recycling center, which I did. But then I found myself having that extra time, right? Mm-hmm. That I was like, all right, now I'm en- enjoying myself. But at the same time, Maybe let me put this time to, to work again, right? Um, and so that's what prompted me to get my real estate license. And I'm like, all right, I you know, this is the, the avenue that I want to take as far as entrepreneurship and control of my time. Even though real estate is very time consuming, um, I definitely have control where I can turn it on or turn it off at any given moment mm-hmm. where I'm just like, all right, I'm ready to do plenty transactions and, and bust my ass or, hey, I'm going to, you know, slow it down a little bit, spend more time with the family and do what I got to do because I know that I'm taking care of my finances.
2: Right. How did how did that first even couple months to a year go with obviously getting licensed and just trying to get your feet underneath you in the real estate space? How did that look like for you at the very beginning?
0: Yeah. So when, when I got my license, I actually hit the ground running, man. So I was at Keller Williams. We had a cap of 28,000, I believe at that time. It was $25,000 cap and and $3,000 franchise Mm -hmm. uh, fee or, fuck, I forget what they call it, but um, I capped within nine months. So being a a first year agent, um, I literally hit the ground running and got transactions. Where did it away come from? From my sphere so from
1: american ambulance and the people you knew from there yeah
0: people that i knew people that respected me already right and so that i think that definitely helped me uh because i started my recycling center back in 2014 so people saw the ambition the hustle the struggle the you know and i feel like that definitely um i earned people's respect from it and so when they saw that i was doing something new they felt like shit Miguel's already successful. Like I definitely trust him to to help guide us in the home buying process. And people had known that I already had, you know, rentals and bought property and did all this stuff. So then um, I think that definitely helped me um, in the real estate space early on. Um, but yeah, first year as an agent, I, I think I ended up with sixteen transactions, um, which. I mean, that's not too lot. bad. Yeah, that's a lot. So, yeah, that was that was pretty good. And then the following year, I capped within four months at Keller. So we just we just hit the ground running. And This was now 2020, mm-hmm. which it got a little weird, right, mm-hmm. with COVID hitting. But then after people saw the interest rates, it was like, "Fuck, it's, <laughs> this is the time to buy right now." And so we just hit it. Um, and I'm pretty fifty-fifty for the most part as far as like listings and buyers. Um, I do have a lot of people that trust me with with the listing side of the uh, game, right? Because it definitely takes more skill set and and trust of the homeowner to put their property on the market. But at the same time, as buyers, they're hoping to get the best guidance that they possibly can to reassure them that they're making the proper move.
1: Yeah. Well, okay. So then... You're, you're selling quite a few homes. You've got some extra cash from the recycling business. What were you doing with your money?
0: Um, that's a good question. So I would continue to reinvest into our recycling center. And at the same time, we're buying some stock. Um, and then when I can, I was uh, trying to acquire more property, right? And so 2019, when I got my license, I'm like, man, right? Understanding a little bit more about the game and real estate. Now I'm, I'm starting to understand different terminology, right? Now there's investors that are in the market as well. And that's where I'm like, man, this this is the area that I kind of want to pursue and go after. And so 2020 was a legit first flip for me um, that I actually ended up coming on to Um, And then from there, you just, you you get that one, right? And you're just ready to go do the next one. And then after that, you're ready to go do the next one. And so that's where um, I ended up taking that angle and trying to become more of an investor, but at the same time, be able to help my clients and and become a, a real estate professional.
2: Well, talking about that first deal, let's dive into it a little more. Did you, you know, did it pop up on MLS? Was it the same time you were looking to buy something for yourself to keep as a buy and hold? What's the story with that first one yeah. you ended up flipping?
0: Yeah, the first flip, um, it was off of uh, Dennis uh, in Clovis. So the way I actually came across that property uh, was actually through a family member. So they they lived in the Bay Area and. They had a tenant in there and they're just like, hey, we're, we're done, right? Like 2020 hit, they don't know, right? I didn't know shit either. No one, I don't think anybody knew what the real estate market was gonna do. I mean, some people can have you convinced that this shit was ending and, and real estate was gonna crash again early on, but at the same time, you just take that risk, right? And so I happened to take that risk. Um, and so I ended up purchasing this property from a family member. But at the same time, they were also looking for investors to buy their property um, as well. So it was either me or another investor that was going to buy it. And so I just felt like what a what a opportunity for me to kind of like know that it's a family member, but at the same time, it's they're they're going to get the same number whether it's it's me or another investor buying this property because the tenant. Really fucked up the property, right? And it was just, it was nightmarish. They were still living there. They're still living there. So, um, they did have to get evicted. And so, when they got evicted, that's when I actually came in, um, and purchased the property. So, no tenants right in place, but definitely the property needed a lot of work. Um, and even at this time, I was in there swinging the hammer, right? Because you're, you're, eager and you're ready and you're all pumped and you're just like shit the the shit you see on tv right this little demo day right you're kicking in walls and doing what you gotta do (laughs) so that that part of it was kind of fun too to like all right this is real right like this is happening like we're kicking shit down tearing out bathrooms and you know then then you have like a gutted property but i didn't do all the work myself i had subs that came in but you know, little by little, you continue moving on um, and then you grow You grow your business and go from there.
1: So you ended up fixing up the house. Were you planning on keeping it as a rental or were you the whole time planning on flipping no, it? No,
0: planning on flipping it the whole time. How did and the
1: flip go? Because COVID was so volatile. I, like, was it easy because the market was going up? or It was, was
0: it- so I caught it at that point where the market was starting to climb. However, our appraisal did come in short. So, ten k short, right, so they overbid it, but mm-hmm. appraisal came in at that time. There wasn't this appraisal gap and all this <laughs> shit, right, so it's like, you know what the appraisal came in at that let's let's sell it right, and I just wanted to exit at that point, but it was still good, right? I think I ended up making like twenty seven thousand dollars, so it wasn't like a i mean that's still a good that's still a great that's number, great. right, yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, now some of the deals, I mean, we got a deal right now um, uh, off of Browning that we could potentially net close to 100K on that property. Do, and can I ask too, for this first deal,
2: what did you use for money, both to buy it and then also that's, to fix it? Yeah, dude, that's, that's, a, that's, it? A,
0: that's a great question. So we ended up doing seller financing. Dude. Yeah, so seller financing, so... A family member allowed me to continue paying the mortgage while I held the property um, until I exited the property. So we ended up doing, we went through the title company, put myself on title. So we did a quick claim deed um, and I continued paying their mortgage until we exited the property. So I didn't have to come in with this big lump sum. I just had to come in with all the rehab funds, which I had at that time, right? So Think we ended up spending close to fifty-five, sixty thousand um, dollars in rehab, and so we ended up we ended up doing pretty good on that. That's freaking killer, man! Um
1: And so you exit that. You're the whole time you're still selling real estate, correct. um, and then right around then is when you moved over to real, right? Like towards like
0: maybe a year later. <laughs> yeah, so we started Keller twenty nineteen, and then um. Yeah, 2021, I think, shoot, July or something of 2021 is when we moved over to Real. Mm -hmm. Um, And I just, I saw the writing on the wall, right? It was just, um, Keller was still doing okay, but after COVID, shit got a little funky, right? And we just saw the opportunity with Real and we've kind of seen the EXP model kind of take off. And so this kind of mirrors it, but it has its own perks. Hmm. Um, And seeing a concept that's new, but also growing and continuing to grow, um, I felt that getting in early on was an advantage, uh, rather than a disadvantage of kind of waiting towards the end. And so I think right now we're kind of riding that wave of real continuing to grow especially here in our local market i think there's plenty of agents now and there's still a big upside with all the surrounding counties and cities and that we have here locally um but yeah i think that's that's when the transition took place
2: and how did the transition go from obviously it sounds like you were doing obviously helping being a trusted real estate professional on your own, right? A solopreneur. Kind of sounded like you handled this first flip by yourself running the show. How did your real estate team come about? The transition from doing things on your own to now growing an actual real estate team, obviously, that you're repping right now? Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. Of course. Um, So, I, I felt that I wasn't doing crazy volumes where like the the Million Dollar Real Estate by Gary Keller, right? It has these formulas and all this. But for me, it was more uh, leveraging uh, other individuals and trying to get some time back, right? So like, I, I I make it a priority to try and take trips with my family and create more memories because shit, that's, that's what we got, right? And so it, it feels good to see my kids um Super happy, right? That we're out and about. They they love us. We love them, and we just create this bond. And so for me, I'm like, you know what? I'd rather split the pie a little bit so that I can buy some of my time back and not have to be out there grinding day in, day out, doing these crazy long hours. Um, it allows me to free up some. But I think uh, when people join, right? It's, it's they they see a form that they want to become, right? So that they see my success and by joining my team, it's a, a, a vision that they might have that they're like, man, I want to be like Miguel, right? And so I think um, I can leverage and help them grow their business, right? While they're simultaneously helping me obtain some of the goals and the team goals that we're trying to accomplish.
1: So what? when did you kind of start getting more into the investor space? Was it right after, because I mean, I guess the, I'm curious about the timeline. Starting the real estate team, doing the flip, becoming who you are now, which is much more yeah. Uh, both sales, yeah, sales we, we, and investing.
0: We definitely did the investing first. The team actually started this year, right? So, what what a time to start a team, right? Where transactions are down and all that stuff. But I feel like uh, big things can definitely happen when shit's slowing down. Um, and at the same time, you're, you're actually got your foot on the gas and trying to move forward. And we're trying to create something where the market share um, is shifting from people that are actually exiting the real estate space, where we're trying to actually capture and fill that void that is gonna potentially come into fruition here in the, in the near future. Um,
1: so are you spending a lot of time right now focusing on
0: sales or investing? Um, I would say I'm definitely spending more time on the investment side. Um, but at the same time, our team does demand, uh, my attention as well. And so we have our weekly meetings. We communicate throughout the week, anytime that they need me, I'm available. Um, and we're small, there's three of us, right? But slowly we're going to continue adding, and there, there's there's three team members, but we have our transaction coordinator. That's also you know always considered part of the team. Okay. There's our listing coordinator. She's always always considered right as well. So these are team members that we have that they help others, but they also help our team. And so we do have that going. But I, I definitely want to see our team grow um, and, and become more successful here in the in the Fresno area.
2: Dude, I'm curious now, obviously with a focus on your team, a focus on doubling down in the investment side of things, right? In the real estate space,
0: where are you at with your recycling business? Yeah. So I've built that up to where right now we have an operations manager now. Nice. So they do all the hiring, they do the firing, scheduling, payroll. They, they communicate with me so my role now in the company is to make the financial decisions for us to continue growing uh, create a vision and a path for the recycling center itself and just make those big decisions and communications when it comes to the state the city um, and then the overall business right and so the recycling center doesn't demand as much time from me now because i've put in that legwork up front. 10 years. Like I said, exactly, We're, 2024 will be 10 years that we've owned uh, the recycling center. And so I definitely worked hard to get to this point. And so it doesn't demand as much time now, but at the same time, um, I wanna continue also growing our recycling center. That, um, that leads to kind of my next question, which is like, yeah.
1: what does the next 10 years look like?
0: uh for, for your goals specifically for my goals yeah so i i see ourselves uh growing into a team that is potentially anywhere from 10 to potentially 20 individuals right that's a healthy team big team um i see myself on the investment side um doing anywhere from 5 to 10 deals potentially, I think, um, and 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 the recycling center, I mean, we can definitely do, we can grow into a space where we're now recycling all material, where currently right now we only do the CRV products. So all your plastic, aluminum, glass, bimetal, if I can get to a space where we're actually recycling copper, brass, steel, iron, um, all the different recycling materials have a bigger yard and then actually have some trucks uh to facilitate some of these uh moves um i could definitely see all three businesses growing in a direction that's going to make me financially free in the near future um and be able to give back to others uh because at, at that point right making that kind of money um feels good right you can do whatever you want but at the same time i think giving back to others and helping others is going to make me feel even better um so that's where i can see the next 10 years kind of taking off and being a, a decade for me to really create some some wealth for our family
2: well, and w- when you talk about giving back to, obviously, I know we were chatting a little bit before the podcast, Yeah, like our, our target audience, a lot of our main listeners, being people who are relatively new in the real estate space, looking to kind of chip away and grind and kind of find their place in this whole real estate um, field, dude, based on... Dude, you have one hell of a story. It's freaking awesome to be able to sit back and hear all of it through everything you've gone through from where you started to where you are now to now as we're looking at, like Scott had asked the next 10 years, what they look like for somebody who's sitting on the sidelines, who may have a little bit of experience or looking to chip in what's, if you could say one takeaway from everything you've been through so far that might help somebody chip away and gain their footing in the real estate
0: space. What would you tell that person? I would tell that person to actually take a chance on themselves, right? A lot of people um, don't realize the the potential that they might have with consistency. People definitely um, make every single excuse why it's not gonna work. And they will continue to sit on the sidelines as they continue making all these excuses not to jump. Right. And there's that like, quote, when, when you feel like it's not ready to jump, that's when you jump. Right. It's like, shit, just, just do it. Right. And I've always took that approach where I'm like, you know what? And I'm still young. Right. Yesterday was my birthday, but at the same time, um, when opportunities come by, right. I'm not one to wait around. I just, hit it head on. Right. And I just feel like when you do that, you, you learn as you go and you're probably going to make mistakes. I've, I've made mistakes for sure, but they're definitely lessons learned. And it just makes me stronger for the next opportunity that comes around. And I'm able to I start identifying opportunities when they come around because of my experience of taking shit head on. Right. Where, the individuals that are like, man, I want to be like Scott. I want to be like Kate. I want to be like Miguel. I want to be like our friend Jason. Right. But they're sitting there doing the same shit over and over and they're not taking action. You got to take action. You got to ask questions. You got to surround yourself with individuals that you look up to so that you can hear the language, start talking the language, start walking, be about it. And I guarantee you, you'll find results with that
1: dude miguel you're a savage i am grateful that you came on you didn't really know cade before this right i
0: did not Mm -hmm. know Cade. no
1: that's one of the favorite things about the podcast is the same thing that you just said put yourself around people that are doing what you want to do it's cool to have you in the office seeing you uh crushing you've got a deal right now you want to plug it real quick your uh your flip that you're about to go
0: live with yeah yeah we're about to go live today um we did make an announcement uh the other day to have the realtors come by and hang out with us uh friday uh november 17th i'm not sure if this will be aired by then or not but at the same time um yeah people can come come by and and check it out right it'll just we're gonna have a transformation video that way people can see the before and after so when they're walking the property they'll be able to see and just kind of identify everything that we've done and how, how it came to life, right? I mean, this property was a hoarder house. It was filled from floor to ceiling throughout the whole house. Both bathrooms were just full. Like, the, the tubs were full, the showers were full. I'm just like, where do these people shower? Where do these people sleep? Like, I have no idea. But What's the address? It's 3105 West Browning Avenue fresno california 93711 boom um that's it man so
1: well we're wishing you the best on it i appreciate, we appreciate it, you coming in right after your birthday uh of course to hang out with us on a thursday morning to- and, totally dude thank you so much what would be the best way for people to get a hold of you if they're if they have questions or if they want to join the team
0: yeah of course uh, you can reach out to me on my instagram it's miguel sanchez rea Uh, or facebook miguel sanchez Uh, or shit even shoot me a text uh 559-593-3088 i'm here to help miguel
1: thanks for coming on today we appreciate it and we will see you guys back next week for the pursuit of property podcast
0: thanks guys appreciate it thanks for having me on